es un asunto en el que la sociedad civil siempre ha jugado un papel fundamental. La sociedad civil. Civil society. The Grassroots View, an EESC podcast. In this edition of the Grassroots View from the European Economic and Social Committee, the EESC, we're celebrating organic food in all its stages of production. It's award season for organic producers across Europe with the first edition of the EU Organic Awards. These recognize excellence from farmers on the ground to forkers in the restaurants and producers everywhere else along the entire organic chain. There are seven categories and eight awards, judged by different agriculture stakeholders. Among them, Best Organic Farmer, Man and Woman, Best Organic Region, Best SME, Best Retailer and Best Organic Restaurant. We'll be talking to those last three prize winners shortly to learn more about their organic journey. Jörg Danke, co-founder of Goodvenience.bio in Germany, Michel Pack, manager of Ferme à l'Arbre de Liège in Belgium, and Alexander Vuk, head chef at Lila Biers in Sweden. We'll also be looking at the wider issues with Peter Schmidt, president of Agriculture, Rural Development and Environment section of the EESC, which was part of the selection panel, and a Brussels-based journalist well-versed in European farming, Eddie Wax from Politico. How, for example, to reach the EU target of 25% of European agricultural land under organic cultivation by the end of this decade? In times of crisis, like right now, does organic really contribute to food security and food affordability? First, though, here's a flavour from the awards ceremony itself late last week, hosted by European Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski, with the presence of the EESC President, Krista Schweng. We'll start with the event moderator and Mr. Wojciechowski, followed by Ms. Schweng. So welcome to the celebration of the second EU Organic Day, an event that you will certainly find enjoyable. Heartfelt thanks to all of you for being here today and thank you very much for your enormous support to make this award and today the Organics Day possible. And now it is my pleasure to hand the lectern to Commissioner Wojciechowski. Thank you for joining uh, me here today on this joyful occasion. Today, for the second time, we come together to celebrate the European Union Organic Day. And for the first time, we will hand out European Union Organic Awards, recognizing excellence all along the organic value chain. Organic food, and we've seen that in the, in the excellence <coughs> prize winners today, is something that really is good for our health and it's good for our planet. It's good for our climate. It reduces transport costs. It reduces the use of fertilizers that exploit our soil and which then makes it not feasible and usable for the next generations. The Grassroots View, an EESC podcast. Okay, it's not quite the Oscars, but maybe, in fact, for the producers, it is just that, given the blood, sweat, tears and passion they put into their missions. So let's hear from them. Alex Vuk, you're head chef at Lilla Bierse, a 19-hectare farm-come-shop-come-restaurant on the Swedish island of Gotland. Lilla Bierse won the Best Organic Restaurant Prize. So what does this actually mean for you? We always put the sustainability first. We put organic before what I want to do as a chef. And when it comes to an award given by the EU, it's so concrete. It gives us a, okay, it actually 
tells us ourselves that what we believe in is right. Thanks, Alex, for that. Michel Pack, now your director of La Ferme à l'Arbre à Liège in the city of Liège in central Belgium. What are your thoughts on winning the prize for the best organic food retailer? Organic farming has become credible, it has become concrete and now it is a recognized sector and it is a great honor to obtain an award which defines us as a model in a sector which is now recognized at its fair value. It is also perhaps proof that companies in our sector can be sustainable since it has been almost 45 years since we started. We are still here and we are doing well. At this stage, I'd also like to bring in Peter Schmidt. Peter, welcome. You're a member of the European Economic and Social Committee and president of its Agriculture, Rural Development and the Environment section. So what's behind your organization's involvement? We want to foster the idea of the value of food. So food is more than just a commodity. Food is, is more than another good. There is the need to bring more focus and awareness what we eat and how is it produced. And we can play the role in our organizations as well. Okay, thank you, Peter. We'll be back to you very shortly, I hope, for more. Jörg Danke, co-founder of goodvenience.bio. Lecker seit immer, as your website says, tasty since forever. You started up four years ago, are based in Magdala, southwest of Leipzig in eastern Germany, and employ 10 people now. And you're the winner of the best organic small or medium enterprise for the sources and animal and fish brews, or stocks, that you sell online. I think that with this award we can generate a little more attention for our cause. That we can just say, okay, look, there are larger bodies that find it somehow important or that we are simply encouraged here in what we are doing and that it is also for the end consumer and that people think, okay, what are they doing there? Thanks a lot to you all for this quick roundup. If I can pick up with you there, Jörg, you seem to embody the spirit and practice of no waste. Every part of the animal, then including those parts just thrown away by butchers and fishmongers, is really used in your products, is it? The butchers just process the meat, and what about the rest? Can't you give that some value? And so we actually came up with the idea of saying, okay, let's make bones. The whole thing has been extremely expanded. For most consumers, it's just a waste product. However, it makes no sense in order to somehow manage things sustainably. We have to use everything, and you can make wonderful things out of it. We have a very old recipe taken from Japan and just adjusted to make a flat broth here with regional things that would otherwise end up in the garbage and made something very healthy and tasty. For us that means that we can continue to grow as a company but we can also grow healthily. Our CO2 positivity is very high, a self-sufficient system can work and reduce our waste even more. That is actually our intention. So the system we want to develop further is a holistic one. The Grassroots View, an EESC podcast. Michel Pack, what's the particular unique selling point behind your commitment to organic? It's a fairly balanced farm. We do a lot of different things on the same side, and we call that mixed farming, which has been 100% organic since 1968. It was my parents who started. It was considered a bit wacky at the time, but they persevered and did well. 
So we have a supermarket on the farm which is integrated into the site with a bit of everything we produce, which is offered at retail to the consumer. That's a big issue, isn't it, and an abiding one for consumers, that prices often far outstrip conventional produce prices. It's not exactly promising, is it, for you in the inflationary and energy crisis that we have today? Sometimes the price of food is a little skewed by the large agri-food groups who manage to offer much cheaper products than us, but it does not represent the market price. And do you believe going local can contribute overall to food security in Europe? Of course, we understand what is at stake. I believe that local production has never been so important and so lacking, since we realize that by dint of wanting to globalize everything, by dint of wanting to produce everything where it's cheapest, we are very dependent and the energy crisis proves it. I think food is even worse than energy, because energy we can do without it. We can try to find alternatives. Food, Europe will really be at the mercy of all the other continents. I think we can promote local, regional food or food production, where food does not have to cross the entire continent to reach the consumer. That is essential. Peter Schmidt, how important is this idea of food that's locally produced, locally transported and locally served up? When we shorten the food supply chain, then we do already quite a lot in order to reduce the transportation that keeps the food uh, fresher. The consumer learns where the food is coming from to see, okay, this is locally produced, this, is, this reduces the transportation and the CO2 impact. At the same time, uh, to make it also concrete for the farms, equip the farms with renewable energies means that they produce then and reduce not only through, you know, through uh, sequestration by planting trees or so, but also in their production methods, they are able to, to contribute to, to climate friendly, which happens, is happening already. Alex Vogue, what eco-experiences and bio-advantages do you serve up to customers in your restaurant, if you'll pardon my expression? It's so easy when they come to us to, to understand, because you're, you're at the farm, you're sitting at the, in, a, in our dining room is in the greenhouse where we grow our vegetables. So uh, already from that point, we get a step ahead where we can start explaining what we do. And we also show them around at the farm, explaining and letting them taste. I think that's the most important thing. Like if you try, try a tomato from us, I don't have to do anything with it. I just put salt and they, you know, get that wow experience that you get from really, really nice products. Now, of course, with the special situation in the world, with the economy and so on, I think our main challenge is to get people to understand that organic is not just more expensive. Because I think now when people maybe have less money, they think that that's one of the first thing that people start you know, pulling into, okay, I buy the regular carrots instead of the organic carrots or, or, so, so, uh, or things like that. And I think that, that, that will be a challenge for us. It needs to be easier for conventional farm with the transition to be in organic farms with the help that it actually makes that you're not putting your whole family business in jeopardy just because you want to go over to be in organic. The Grassroots View, an EESC podcast. So where do we stand in the here and now? 
just out of a severe drought with inflation rising fast, energy prices even more so as Russia switches off supplies, and of course, war continuing in Ukraine. Eddie Wax, you're following all these events for Politico in Brussels. What's your assessment? Before the war in Ukraine erupted, I think that there was a sense of a lot of positivity and a lot of optimism that there was a huge amount of potential in the, in the organic sector. I, I still think there is, but I think that coupled with the fact that, you know, you have the, the war in Ukraine, which is pushing up food prices, so that's going to make it harder for consumers to opt for that slightly more, potentially slightly more expensive choice uh, in the supermarkets. You know, the EU's target for organic farming isn't actually a, a legal target. It's just a nice floating figure of 25%. Then I think... That means that we're probably we are going to see an expanding sector, and I think that's probably good news for for lots of different reasons. But I think it's probably going to happen at a slower pace than many in the organic sector certainly certainly would have hoped for. And what's your view? I mean, if uh, many organic producers all along the food chain say, well, in fact, um, you know, organic food is a guarantor of food security um, in Europe. Okay, fair enough, it might be rather more expensive at the moment, but in the wider food security um, question, uh, you know, we're a solution, not a problem to all these crises that we're confronting right now. Well, I think there's that that comes to the heart of a central debate in, in, in agricultural policy that's existed for, for decades, right? Can you, how do you balance the needs of being more sustainable with being more productive? Um, so, you know, no, it's no wonder that the Ukraine war has just exacerbated and, and sharpened that debate even more. But I mean, I think there's a lot of sense in what proponents of organic farming, you know, have, have been talking about. But, um, you know, and, and there's there's a lot of sense to the argument that if farmers are not using nitrogen based fertilizers, if they're not buying synthetic pesticides, you know, they can keep their costs down, they can they can, you know, be more resilient economically, they're not dependent on these massive agricultural corporations. Um, so maybe they'll be able to weather that economic storm, which is which is coming, which has already been hitting them for a long time. However, you know, then you have people on the other side of the argument saying that, you know, we need large scale agriculture basically in order to feed the mass population. But what would you say are the, are the kind of main challenges that organic farming is going to be facing, uh, you know, in the coming years? Basically, letting the consumer drive the change is, is, is what the sort of European Parliament wants, it's what the, the Commission wants, it's what the, the Council wants. But I do sort of wonder whether without a bit more of a, a stick approach, uh, whether, we'll, whether we'll really just be going very, very gradually up. One other final question, touching on another crisis that we haven't really spoken about, um, that Europe is just emerging from at the end of summer, beginning of autumn, which is the drought that they had. Is organic farming a better place to deal with climactic um, issues like like uh, changing weather patterns, like what we've seen in terms of drought this summer, than conventional farming. Proponents of agroecology would tell you that ultimately, you know, farms where where they are practicing those principles, where it's a sort of holistic approach, it's a systems based approach, you're looking at everything from the from water to 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 you know inputs, outputs, you know, all keeping it in balance. Um, they would you know they would tell you that those farms are more resilient, in, certainly in the long run. I mean, the big debate is whether whether those farms can pump out food at such a high productivity level. Um, but maybe that's not what every single farm needs to do. And, you know, in terms of there are lots of other considerations that agriculture is now being asked to address, whether it's social issues or whether it's, you know, economic issues or, or and certainly environmental issues. 
Um, you know, agriculture is now being seen in policymaking circles increasingly as a sort of cross-cutting area. It's not just about massively producing food like it was basically since the Second World War up until recently. Um, now there's a sort of a, a new revolution in, in thinking in, in agriculture. Um, but I think it's it's an it's really just a it's really an agriculture revolution that is only just about starting. Eddie Wax, many thanks indeed. And there we were thinking that after the digital revolution of today and the industrial and agricultural revolutions of long before, we were done with revolutions when along comes another. Watch this space for the latest revolution updates. Our warm thanks also to Peter Schmidt from the committee and to three of the eight winners of this year's European Union Organics Awards. Alex Vogue, Michel Pack, Jörg Danke. That's all for the time being. Join us again for another look at Europe from the grassroots view. Thank you.